Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Jill Blake, shrewd, witty, and wise. Atlanta-based researcher and writer Jill Blake and her creative partner Wade Sheeler co-founded the pop culture website The Retro Set and together host the podcast DWT, Drinking While Talking, a freelance writer for every film geek's favorite cable channel, Turner Classic Movies. Jill has not only written for Studio Production, the network's blog, and programming articles for the official website's movie database, she was also a featured columnist for Streamline, the official blog of Filmstruck from 2016 up to its closure in 2018. Additionally, writing and recording audio commentary for the scene on Filmstruck featurette and providing on-camera introduction and commentary for the streaming services Star of the Week feature on Cary Grant, Jill is currently researching the lives and careers of stage and screen actors Friedrich March and Florence Eldridge, one of my favorite people on Twitter, who you can find at Biscuit Kitten. I am so honored to talk to Jill today. Welcome, Jill. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Jill. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Good. Well, I know, like me, you're a liberal trapped in a red state right now. So how is it going? How are you doing? And how are you adapting to pandemic life? Um, well, um, you know, it's going as well as it can in Georgia. I'm, I am, a, a, as you can tell from my accent, I am a native Southerner. I was mm-hmm. born in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is about two hours north of Atlanta. And okay. Uh, my husband is from there too. And both of our, all of our families live up there. And uh, in terms of um, (laughs) the current state of affairs in Georgia, um, you know, it's pretty bleak. Um, (laughs) It's not great. And, um, but we do have some little, um, little glimmers of hope. For example, our governor is is not great, but he he had he basically will not come out and say we have a mask mandate, but okay. he has so his his state order supersedes any other order from any other municipality or county mm-hmm. or whatever. But he has said that he will not stand in the way of local governments issuing mask mandates. Now, it probably wouldn't hold up in court should a business or an individual challenge, but local governments like the city we live in, which is Brookhaven, right outside Atlanta, um, Mm -hmm. they just issued a mandate. The city of Atlanta has. So we are seeing progress on that. And then we just got word today that our school district is going 100% virtual, Good. and our, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and so this was of great stress for us. So yeah. we are very uh, relieved um, in terms of dealing with it. You know, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> comment. no comment. It, it's been rough. I know. 
it's been rough. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm so about, glad. Yeah. How about you? Have you are you handling it okay in good old yeah. Arizona? I know Arizona is kind of politically in the same boat. Like our mayor and stuff is doing citywide mandates here in Phoenix, but you know we have a similar situation with our governor who will come out and say, you know, people should stay home, but he won't do anything about it. And we were one of the first states to open back up because he's pretty buddy-buddy with Trump. So we were, I think, around the same time probably that Georgia opened back up. And so, yeah, we're kind of in a similar boat here, but I'm doing okay, mostly staying indoors and not messing around with that. But I think attention spans were really hard to it was hard to focus initially but I think I'm doing better now like initially it was what is going on with the world it was hard to write hard to do anything of substance I also think starting a podcast probably helped because of the interactivity and getting to check in on friends which is so important right now yeah, I definitely have been oscillating. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat right now. But I've been oscillating with in between like, well, it is what it is. And then like extreme panic. Like there's yes. no in between. <laughs> it's like some days I'm like, we're all going to die. And then like the next minute I'm like, well, you know, them's the breaks. You know? Oh, yeah. If you go from Zen to scattered. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's it's so, pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're doing okay though. We're getting yeah. through it. Yeah. Yeah. We're I mean, we woke up today. So that I mean that's my baseline. That's the important every day. thing. Yeah. Did I wake up today? Did I get yeah. out of bed? Am I breathing? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Put on clothes, sleep. you know. Right. Did some laundry. Yeah. That's a really, my really, really like bottom barrel baseline of, huh, I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> it can only go up from here, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> well, I've always enjoyed following you on Twitter and seeing what you're up to. I know you and Wade Sheeler have a podcast, DWT, Drinking While Talking, and yes. you also co-founded the fun pop culture website, The Retro Set, which I've really enjoyed as well. For those unfamiliar, what can you tell us about both and how do you get the idea to kick them off? So um, the retro set has kind of been through multiple iterations. Um, okay. We had a couple different names for the website and then through various reasons, we, you know, growing pains and kind of changing focus. We kind of, I guess it was probably about, we, we launched that website in 2013 and okay. then we came on the new name, I I believe in 2016. And the whole purpose of the website when we first launched was we wanted really just an outlet, a creative outlet to be able to put whatever we want out there. Um, Mm -hmm. Wade is a television producer. Mm -hmm. And so he works in the biz. And I am a writer and researcher also working in that area. And I don't always get to, and just like Wade, we both don't get to write about what we want to write about or, or -hmm. talk about what we want to talk about. And so um, we just wanted to have this outlet. And then we have a bunch of friends who also wanted to have a place that 
if they want to write some like random post about say Peter Lorre that no <laughs> one is no one would run they have a home to drop it and then they can take it on and and republish it or whatever it's really just a a place for us to to have to have that outlet and for any friends that come and go like um our good friend Maureen uh, Maureen Linker she um is a reporter for Entertainment Weekly She's done a few posts for us just to kind of test the waters. Diana Drum is another. Oh, she's great. Yeah. She's so great. And so um, uh, Nathaniel Hood. Um, mm-hmm. So we've had some, um, a lot of our friends that it, uh, Kyle Turner used to write for us. Oh, cool. um, just, just to kind of test the waters out. So that's kind of how that came about. And then Wade and I have kind of we kind of flirted with the idea of a podcast for years and just because the two of us he he lives in LA I live in Atlanta and Mm -hmm. we always get together a couple times a year and have a great time just kind of sitting around and you know shooting the breeze Mm -hmm. and um so we kind of have been playing around with this idea but you know work gets in the way life gets in the way it's a lot of work to uh to launch a podcast. And then one day we were like, you know what, let's just do it and just see what happens. And so the whole concept of that podcast is, you know, we, we talk mainly about movies, but we do dip into music and pop culture and we've gotten into politics and it's really just like an, like a happy hour with us where, you know, we go to a bar in LA or when he visits in Atlanta and we sit there over a couple drinks and we just talk about anything and everything. And so we kind of put that now, whether or not people like to listen to that, you know, remains to be seen, but we have fun doing it. And yeah. again, it ties into the website. It's just, so we have an outlet for, you know, whatever is kind of tickling our fancy at, at the time. So I think that's fun. It's like a nice <laughs> hangout with everyone. Sure. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the, the whole thing we've, um, we're, we will probably move into at some point having guests, um, on the show. Um, but it definitely just has a late, it's not scripted. Um, it laid back vibe. We've played like, you know, 20 questions games before, just, like, <laughs> you know, we just kind of throw it together. We'll have a general premise and then go from there. And we've, you know, we've really had a lot of fun with it. We actually, we need to record another episode really soon. So. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. One other fun thing I noticed you were doing on Twitter that totally cracked me up since you're known as such a classic film buff is you were challenged to correct a blind spot and watch the Marvel movies. So mm-hmm. how did that come about? And are you enjoying those? I mean, beyond, of course, Cap's ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a very important thing. Cap's ass yes. is so important. Um, so my very good friend, Michael Nazarevich, um, and his Twitter handle is, uh, Hey, Michael Naz. I think it's just, Hey, Michael Naz. He used to be scribe hard, um, on Twitter and he has been, on my ass to watch these Marvel movies. <laughs> and he, cause he's a, he's a big, um, huge Iron Man fan, but in general, a Marvel person. Now I am a classic movie person, but I, I do like a good action adventure, super oh, yeah. um, 
I tend to go more toward Batman territory. Me too. Um, <laughs> that's that's my boy, right? Yeah. And so I he was he was kind of he was coming to me and saying, "All right, we should do this." And I'm like, mm, "I don't think so." So he <laughs> had, he bought that humongous Marvel set. And it came with all the digital codes. And he was like, okay, hey, I'm going to give you the digital codes for these movies. And I was like, all right, sure, whatever. Because I figured, yeah, my kid might want to watch him sometime. And sure. I realized that Michael had an ulterior motive. Because <laughs> no, you know, like a few days after he gave them to me, he was like, all right, we're watching these together. So <laughs> going in release order. We just finished uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I am having fun. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a great distraction. We started this before the pandemic foolishness, but it has really turned into a very, very nice distraction. We have a great time. And I will say I am pleasantly surprised with how much I have enjoyed. Um, I had seen Black Panther in the mm -hmm. theater. So, I mean, I had seen, and I had seen Iron Man before, but nothing, okay. really nothing else. And I mean, gotcha. it, it was like bad enough. I was like, wait, I've seen Wonder Woman. And he's like, that's not Marvel. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, I know nothing of this. So, um, but Cap is definitely my favorite. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> for many reasons. So. Yes. But I'm having fun with it. So, very cool. Yeah, I think I liked. I don't. I am several movies behind. I wasn't that religious about them. I mean, I saw them. I enjoyed some of the movies. I think I enjoyed the Captain America ones the best, and I also got a kick out of the Thor movies. I thought those were kind of fun. I am struck. We've just watched the first two. Um, okay, they're a little heavy. Yeah, I've really, I really struggled with those, and but I've, I've been told that the third one is much better, mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm just gonna like go on record, um, but I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't either, actually. Okay, good. Okay, good. Okay, there's another person. Thank you. Yeah, I love the music. Yeah, it seemed like a good idea, but it just didn't really get me. No, no, it didn't. It did not. Um, did not sit well with me. I actually liked Hulk uh, decently. Oh, yeah. I, I did, of, too. I kind of actually was invested in the character. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I I, uh, I still think the first two Cap movies that I've watched were great. I think Avengers is great. I think Iron Man 3 was surprisingly good. It really um, was. I, yeah. was very, I was blown away by how good that one was. Um, yeah, Shane Black. But, yeah. So, so good. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I I was like, I, I texted Michael and I said, uh, God, I don't think I liked Guardians. And he, was like, <laughs> he was like, no, I get that. It's it's, yeah. it's not my favorite either. So, you know. Okay. Whew. Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great little escape right now, especially. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So is your daughter enjoying these with you or... No. Um, okay. I watch them after she's in bed and it's, it's some of them like she saw, we actually took her to see black Panther and that was, she did fine with it, but like uh -huh. 
45 minutes into the movie, I looked over at my husband and we were like, uh, you know, this is probably a bit much for her. Yeah. Um, I would definitely, um, wait a little little bit, but on some of them, I think she totally would be fine with, I just think that uh, especially the Marvel movies that I've noticed is that they are far more realistic than Mm -hmm. some, some of the other comic book movies, um, just in terms of violence and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But I would be okay with her seeing, uh, some of the ones we've watched, I think Thor would be fine. Yeah. Um, that's a little, but I, I hope I never have to watch that one again. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was very heavy. I remember was that the one that Brano made? Yeah, oh yeah, with all the like Dutch angle ahoy. There were so many. Oh Dutch my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was like he thought he was making a Bergman or a Shakespeare movie, and yeah, it kind of took a little. Like I loved the idea, but I was like, Brana, this is not your bag at no. all. Yeah. And I get what he was trying to do. He's trying to frame. Uh, the the screen to make it look like it's in a, a comic book pane. So yeah. I understand where, what he was going for, but I don't think that was um, necessarily the right director for the project. Um, yeah. Admirable <laughs> first attempt, but oh, of course, you know. <laughs> that's great well you're a very talented and knowledgeable film writer and researcher and i've followed some of your work on tcm and filmstruck it's always so impressive so since you were obviously a fan of old movies and tcm first what surprised or delighted you the most when you started getting involved at the network i think um Probably just kind of seeing how they do it, you know, just being a, I'm a, I'm a freelancer and for, um, you know, I've written scripts for hosts um, Mm -hmm. and seeing how that process goes from research to broadcast is such a, such a cool, um, a cool process to be a part of. And I did get a glimpse of that before I started writing for them. Oh, cool. um, back in 2012, I got to visit uh, the set because they do tape here. Well, not now because of the pandemic, but they do mm-hmm. tape here in Atlanta. And so I did get to visit the set um, when Robert Osborne was taping Oh, wow. And that was such a cool uh, experience. And I got to sit there and watch him uh, tape these intros. And I have seen Ben. uh, I've been on the set with Ben before and with Eddie on the Noir uh, Alley set. And um, so it's that I think was probably the the coolest part is and then getting to know all of the people behind the scenes. I, I. I'm friends with several people in programming and in um, uh, production, um, but also just meeting all of the editors and the crew that make all of this possible. It's um, it's a very efficient um, system, and it's amazing what they're able to do on – I mean, they really have kind of a thin 
uh, margin for getting the stuff done and the turnaround time on these scripts because they film uh, during normal times, you know, they may film two months worth of intros in three days. Oh, and wow. so it's, it's back to back to back to back to back. And that's also when they would film, say any special promotional videos or social videos, they would do those mm-hmm. at the same time. So that's, that's been kind of the, the fun part of, of freelancing for them is, is being a very small component of this larger, this larger machine that, you know, is TCM. Very cool. I just realized I'm so nerdy. I'm like wearing the band t-shirt to the concert because my background is Noir Alley. And I'm talking to you and I'm like, oh my God, Jen, that's the nerdiest thing ever. (laughs) I I appreciate it. I think it's great. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, I know you're the biggest fan of Friedrich March and you love the best years of our lives, which is one of my favorite movies. The cast is incredible. I have a huge crush on Dana Andrews. So it was cool to see that you acquired some amazing stills for the movie. And I know you've been researching both March and also Florence Eldridge. What is it about those stars that captivated you the most? And by any chance, Jill, are you working on a book? Okay, I will answer your second question first. And yes, Um, now as to whether it, where it ends up, and when it will be done remains to be seen. I've been working on this um, since 2012. And um, the first question, I was, this was, uh, let's see, 2000, maybe 2006, 2007. I was on a William Holden kick. Okay. And I uh, just started watching everything I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. And I watched this movie called Executive Suite. Oh, and, good movie. And uh, I think 1954. And mm-hmm. it's got uh, William Holden and uh, June Allison and uh, Barbara Stanwyck. It's a star-studded cast. And Frederick March is in it. And I um, hated him. The character <laughs> in this movie is is just he's not he's he's the villain. I mean, as as villainy as you can villainous as you can get in a corporate boardroom drama. Um, he's he's the bad guy. He's the company's controller, you know, and mm. I just loathed this actor based on the character. <laughs> and um, then a couple years later, I guess it was 2009. um Frederick March has a star um, has a is featured on summer under the stars, which is in August every year on TCM. And um, so he has a whole day, 24 hours of Frederick March movies. And um, I'm watching this movie with this very handsome man (laughs) with Merle Oberon and Herbert Marshall called the dark angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 1935 and I'm holy shit that's Frederick March <laughs> <laughs> so, the guy you hated yeah. the guy I hate and so I watched every 
single movie that they aired that day. I, I even stayed up into the wee hours in the morning and watched Anthony Adverse, which is a terrible movie. I watched <laughs> it all and I just fell in love. And then the following year, um, in October of 2010, he was star of the month. And it was at this point where, and I watched even more of his stuff. And it was at this point where I was like, I love this actor. So I would start looking for more. I want to read, read about him. I, you know, and I realized there's very little on him. And as I fall deeper into the hole, I'm like, I love this man. And so I started writing about him. I started reading everything I could get my hands on. And it dawned on me that he, he is a two-time Academy Award winner. He's a two-time Tony Award winner. And it occurred to me that this man was like the star of the time, one of the most um, respected uh, actors of stage and screen. And his wife, Florence Eldridge, who was an accomplished actress in her own right. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided... I'm the one to do this. And I have bestowed upon myself this honor of, of telling his story and in a little, you know, something I don't advertise is I don't, um, I don't talk about uh, the uncredited work that I do in terms of, I don't, I don't say, Oh, I did that. But since it's been over a year, um, I, Frederick March was the star of the month in March of 2019. And in a bit of um, kind of full circle, I wrote all of those scripts for the March star of the month in 2019. So going all the way back to uh, that first time I watched him in 2009 and then, and here I here I am ten years later, and I and I got to write the entire month's scripts for this actor. So it's it's kind of funny how those things work out. So yeah. I I hope I hope that one day this will this will happen, and I can I can get a book out there. But I've been I've been working on it, researching it. Um, I went up to. Uh, Wisconsin two years ago to the archives at the University of Wisconsin. I went to his hometown in Racine. Um, and so I've done the pilgrimage. I've That's got incredible. boxes of papers and ephemera. And, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's an obsession. My husband would tell me it's probably out of control, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I can't wait. So please keep me posted. I'm sure you'll be sharing on Twitter as yeah. you work oh, on yes. it. You'll, yeah. you'll regret for that because I will put it out there. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Are you kidding? That's awesome. I think you would be the perfect person to do it. And I love your writing. So I think it would be great. Yeah. Well, it's been also interesting to see what everyone has been watching during the pandemic. Some people are going for comfort food movies. Others are seeking out new stuff. What have you been watching lately? Anything to recommend? So I've been, um, you know, when you have a kid, it's kind of hard to watch anything and everything at at whatever hour you want. Um, We have introduced um, our daughter to 
some movies. Um, last week we showed her a pair of Cary Grant movies. She um, she has seen several uh, Cary Grant movies, but we showed her To Catch a Thief. Um, so that's her first Hitchcock. We felt that that oh, was cool. the, uh, the uh, safest probably to start with for her age. And then we showed her Father Goose, which she really loved. Oh, nice. thought that was a lot of fun. And then we showed her, a few weeks before that, um, Cary Grant's last film, Walk, Don't Run. Um, I really love that one. I do, too. Yeah. It's sweet. I mean, I, you know, people will pit it against um, The More the Merrier because it is a, a remake. Yeah. But I... I love both of those films mm-hmm. equally, and I think that they're different enough. Yeah. Um, so she loved that one. And then we've watched some, uh, we watched The Five Bloods on Netflix, Spike Lee's n- new joint, Excellent. and yeah. really loved that. And then that's kind of set me off on a revisiting um, some of Spike's um, movies, which that's been great. Um, we watched Crooklyn and Bamboozled, the, the new Criterion that came out of that. And, of course, mm-hmm. we revisited Do the Right Thing. Um, and then outside of that, we've been watching a lot of television, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we just binged Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, the reboot <laughs> of that. you know. So we've been kind of – and I'm, I'm probably going to start the Perry Mason series on HBO, which – I've heard mixed. Mixed, yeah. yeah. I haven't but, watched it yet either because I've I been. Yeah. So I much. know. I loved him on The Americans. Oh, oh my gosh. So great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we <laughs> have done some comfort viewing too. Like, um, you know, we just watched Guff, uh, Waiting for Guffman again for the umpteenth time. I love that. Yep. Love it. It's it's totally like a security blanket, and then. We did, uh, I think it was last week, we we uh, watched Batman Forever, which okay. I haven't seen since uh, probably 96 or 97. I was, you know. Yeah, I haven't either. It was a hoot. Okay. Good deal. <laughs> so waiting for Guffman, I have to ask, I ask everybody who loves this movie, favorite character in it? Do you have like oh, a, God. or like That's supporting so or any of your... Um, you know, I think, so this is a movie that we, we quote like constant Mm -hmm. in this. So it's like, I more think of like funny (laughs) lines, yeah. but I would say probably Catherine O'Hara, um, um, (laughs) Albertson, just, you know, I I just, that's such a great character, but we, um, yeah, I think some of like the 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 bit performers in that, the supporting performers like Michael Hitchcock, um, who you know at the at the end of the of the play he starts screaming out, "That's my favorite character." <laughs> so <laughs> only two people can do that: Corky and Barbara Streisand. Yeah. <laughs> It's so great. And I love the one, the guy, he's in all of Christopher Guest's movies and his name, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but 
um, he's on the town council and when they're like trying to, after Corky's quit and they're trying to get him to come back to the production and they're, they're saying, no, you made backdraft happen with like, no <laughs> money. And the one guy goes, I can still feel the heat. And he kind of holds his hands up. Like yeah. I can still feel the heat. So we'll, we'll like say that line all the time. You know, people are probably like, who are these people? But um, <laughs> I love that. I have a, an obsession with that movie. And I'm, I'm actually working on gifting my way through the entire movie. And I have a thread on Twitter that it, Every few days, I'll drop three or four gifts in. So uh, right now, I just finished gifting the scene of um, of uh, David Cross in the uh, UFO circle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just kind of like I working. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I need to learn how to make gifts because I always think of ones and mm-hmm. they don't exist. And yeah, I'll teach you. It's easy. All right. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> You might regret that. I might hit you up too much. Like, we need to give this. That's all right. Well, the other question I was going to ask you is, let's say all the TCM hosts were like, no, we need a week off. Let's have Jill come in. (laughs) And you you even get to program. So let's say you're hosting a weekend of movies. So which themes or stars or films or whatever do you think you would go for? Oh, that is... That's a really good question. Um, and I could, and okay, if I could do that and not have to worry about licensing. Yeah. Okay. I would definitely air um, a lot of the early Paramount films. Okay. Because a lot of those are owned by Universal. Mm. I think everything pre-1944-ish of Paramount is owned by Universal. And they are better about releasing some of those films, but it's so hard. So I'm thinking like um, The Sign of the Cross, Okay. Or um, some of the Clara Bow talkies. Ooh. Or um, the Eagle and the Hawk with Frederick March and Cary Grant. Okay. Which is a great anti-war film. Um, so those like, and it, like, Design for Living is another Paramount, but it's. Love that. Yeah. It gets aired a lot. But I would probably go for like the early Gary Cooper, early Cary Grant, early Frederick March. Um, Miriam Hopkins, mm-hmm. um, those, uh, Claudette Colbert is another, there's yeah. a film, uh, Tonight is Ours, that's, uh, yeah. Claudette and Frederick, and it's kind of a Lubitsch-esque, uh, very Europe, uh, classy European, uh, pre-code that is very sexy, that I don't think has seen the light of day in, decades i would love i would love for that one to to air so probably those it'd be like buried paramount treasure or something would be the theme so (laughs) i love that no that's very cool i think you know tcm's gonna hire you now or they should yeah yeah (laughs) well the licensing people would be like that's a nightmare no i'm just kidding (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, I've I I have some friends in programming at the network, and they are very well aware of my uh, <laughs> like what what I would love for them to air. It's just very tricky, but I do yeah. know that um, my friend Millie DeCherico, who um, is a programmer, and she programs. Um, TCM Underground. She was a huge force behind the Frederick March month because she's a, she's a huge uh, March fan as well. So I'm always pestering her. Um, and when it comes down to programming or scheduling for the um, festival, um, I'm always bugging my friend Scott about. All right, you need to you need to get a print of this. And so they've come through, you know. Okay. <laughs> It was because I asked or what, but I did beg, I I did bug Scott for, for years to get uh, the jerk at the festival uh, yeah. and at Grauman's. I said, I want it at, I want it at the main Chinese theater <laughs> and they made it happen. So, that you know, incredible. <laughs> yes. Do you know, you are the second person to bring up the Eagle and the Hawk on the show. Walter, really? Yeah. Walter Cha brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. And like he kind of came out of nowhere. And at first I thought he was talking about, you know, that like New Zealand movie or something. I'm like, is that it? He's like, no, that's the shark. And then he told me the story about it being anti-war. And I'm like, I need to see this. And now it's the second person. It is absolutely fantastic. And I and I will say that it was a part of it had been. No, I don't believe it had ever been released on DVD. Um, you could get it on VHS years ago. And then probably t- maybe eight or nine years ago, TCM released um, a, a box set called Early Cary Grant. Ooh. And it had the Eagle and the Hawk on it. It had the last outpost. And it had, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the third, but it had okay. it had three films. And then that quickly fell out of print. Well, Kino Studio Classics has announced that they are releasing The Eagle and the Hawk on Blu-ray. And I believe it comes out either next month or I believe it's next month. Yeah, so I think it's So they're releasing August. that and they're releasing Sign of the Cross. So those are two Paramounts that they're, that they're releasing. And I'm telling you, this movie is a punch in the gut. It wow. is so, so very, very, very good. Uh, Carol Lombard's in it for a hot mm-hmm. minute. Um, Jack Oakey's in it. Um, it's just an it's an exceptional film, and it's one of those those early movies that Cary Grant was in. He was always arm candy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for Sylvia Sidney or for. Um, um, May West. Yeah, May yeah. West. Uh, so he, uh, you know, he was even like in Merrily We Go to Hell, Dor- the Dorothy Arzner That's film. That's right. Yeah. And he's in it for like 90 seconds as <laughs> Sylvia Sidney's side piece. And, um, but this film was before he broke out with um, Sylvia Scarlet. And, he he act he gives a great performance. It's like they didn't know what to do with him in those yeah. early films, you know. And the thing with Frederick March is that um, they didn't know what to do with him either because they wanted 
it was like they couldn't decide if they wanted him to be a serious actor if they, or if they wanted him to be a matinee idol. Mm. And so, you know, he won the Academy Award for Jekyll and Hyde in 31. And he is very he was very adept at comedy, like in Design for Living. Yeah. Um, but kept putting him in these like fluffy, you know, kind of stupid movies um, mm-hmm. that just didn't really use his talent. And um, he this film is the exception to that. Um it is absolutely uh, phenomenal, and it's right before um, March left and went free agent, and then Cary Grant did the exact same thing and and bounced from Paramount and went free agent as well. So this is one of those, you know, kind of diamond in the rough films that came out of you know them making seven eight studio pictures a year that were most of them were just kind of in inconsequential fluff. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so definitely check it out. It's fantastic. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that Kino release for sure. And it's good. Yeah, and Sign of the Cross, which yes. yes. Have you seen I, that film? No, I, it's not oh, ringing a bell actually. It so is two I need to see. Bonkers. It's it's Demille, and okay. it's bibl- It's quote unquote biblical. So um, that's how they get, get away with some really weird stuff. Okay. <laughs> That'll it's be quite tough. a double feature there. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Touched in the gut and then like, what am I watching? No. It, is, it is absolutely, it's just one of those films that you're like, I'd, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great reaction. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I want to thank you so much, Jill, for doing this. It was so much fun to talk to you. I've always liked interacting with you on Twitter. So this was a real treat. I do appreciate it. Yeah, this was a nice um, respite from from everything. So thank you for having me. A lot of fun. Thanks. You have a good rest of your week. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends.